You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Westside, and uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. It is Christmas week, and uh, we're so glad that you're joining with us today. As you saw in that video on Christmas Eve, we're going to be all virtual. We're going to have a Christmas service that we've been preparing for you available all day on Christmas Eve. So make sure you check that out. Uh, watch that with friends and family at westsidechurch.org all day Christmas Eve and, of course, through the holiday. Um, speaking of giving, we uh, just wrapped up our Giving Tree uh, outreach where we provided gifts for over 800 children. Uh, what an incredible thing. Yeah, and so all of you that participated, all of you that grabbed those tags online and brought back those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gifts um, for those that, that spent all week uh, wrapping and organizing and working out the logistics and then uh, giving them out uh, yesterday and the day before, um, late into the evening. What an incredible, incredible thing that we've been able to be a part of in this community, um, being able to provide Christmas for so many kids that maybe wouldn't have uh, receive gifts otherwise. And so thank you, Westside. Uh, we'll come back at the new year and give you some more stats and, and so, show some video of, of the uh, event. But thank you so much. Um, it is remarkable what God is doing through us as we are um, just present here in the community, uh, a church for the city. And that's because of you. So thank you so much. Also, I want to give a shout out to uh, kids watching today who are being so patient to not open your gifts until Christmas Day. You've almost made it, kids. Just a few more days. Hang in there. Five more days, and you get to open. But, but please do not peek in those gifts before the day. Okay, maybe just peek in one of them. Go ahead right now, wherever you're at. Just find a gift. Just lift up the end of it. Just see, shake it a little bit. Figure out what's in there. Pastor Evan said it was okay. And grab a candy while you're at it. Just great. It's 8.30 in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning. Just, just have a cookie. It's fine. Parents are going to love me today. We're uh, going to be in Luke chapter 2. It is Christmas week, and so I want to read from the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2 today. Um, it really is uh, just a gift uh, when we are in this passage to look at the, the mystery and the wonder of, of what Christ's coming, what it really means for us, that God is with us. Uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard of the scene. And it was just as the angel had told them. Lord, today we receive Emmanuel, God with us. 
the presence of the child so many years ago is a reflection and an echo of the presence of Jesus here among us today. We receive the wonder again. We receive this magnificent phrase from the angel spoken to the shepherds, do not be afraid. We receive you today, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. Um, last week we had uh, Casey Parnell, Pastor Casey, back with us leading worship. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, for some of you maybe that are new around Westside, Casey was on staff along with his brother Corey in our, our worship and creative arts departments for uh, over a decade. And uh, through that time, about 10 years ago, we were all playing a lot of music together. And uh, we had formed this band and we had done a recording. And this is in about 2010. And we decided after we did this recording that we were going to um, do what you do to feel pretty good about yourself as a band. And we're going to go on tour because we're kind of a big deal. It's just kind of who we were. And so uh, we, we loaded up a van. We got a conversion van, you know, with the top up and the, the, the TV inside. I mean, nothing but the best for people like us. And so we hop in this van and we head out on tour, tour. And our first stop uh, was in Boise, Idaho. And man, we were excited, ready to go. We brought a projection screen. We brought our own lights. Uh, we, had, we had custom videos that played behind us. I mean, this, this is kind of, kind of impressive. You're not, you're not impressed yet, but you will be. Listen to how it went. So we arrive at our first show in the evening at this restaurant in Boise that uh, <laughs> agreed to let us play. And so we get all set up, we go back into the green room, and we're, we're just, we're ready to go. This is going to be our tour. This is going to be our thing. We come out, zero people in the building. So we go, we go to the bartender, and we're like, hey, hey when, when did the doors open? He's like, they're wide open, bro. <laughs> they are wide open. So we start playing, and our crowd arrives. And out of that crowd, do you know how many people were not my cousins? None. Zero people were not my cousins. Two people showed up, my cousin and her husband. That was our crowd. But the tour wasn't over. It got better. By the end, uh, one of the highlights of this tour was we actually headlined in Denver, Colorado at a pet store. <laughs> that was the highlight. You know, we never, we never really struck it big with people, but the parakeet gerbil crowd... Hamsters were really into us. Uh, we tried to break in with uh, golden, golden retriever puppies, but they're a tough crowd. A rough crowd? I have another one. Do you want another one? I shouldn't be doing this. Amelia, our service producer, is back there saying, don't. No more puns. It's Christmas, Amelia. What am I going to do? All right. Why are golden retrievers such a hard crowd to please? because they set a high bark. That was more of a groan than a laugh. I think you were right, Amelia. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, we thought we were kind of a big deal, and we quickly learned that nobody, nobody cared. Um, I think that we have lost the art these days of being content in obscurity. I think we have, we have lost the skill to be nobody, and be okay with that. And realize that God actually shows up in the lives of nobodies 
all the time. Um, so much of the tension that's present in our society right now, maybe even in your family right now, centers around this idea of the elevation of who I am, right? My thoughts, my opinions, my views, that if I can elevate them high enough and show that, that I am the most informed or the smartest or the most right, that's a win for me. And the theme of, of so many of these conversations, and maybe uh, you have been in some of these conversations as I have, we almost traffic in who can outfear the other person. Have you noticed this? The conversation might go something like this. You're afraid of that? <laughs> you know what you should really be afraid of? And if we can show that what, what I find to be frightening is actually the scariest thing that we face as a family or a society or a nation, then we win. And fear is juicy, right? It creates attention. It, it, it drives passion. It creates outrage. Fear is a great motivator. And in the middle of all this fearful mess, God quietly lowers himself into a humble stable to bring peace on earth and to whisper this phrase over and over again every time an angel shows up, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's the first phrase that the angel speaks to these shepherds. And, um, you know, it's interesting. There's 20 verses in Luke chapter 2 that tell the entire story of Christmas. Do you know how many of those verses are actually about the shepherds and not about the baby Jesus? 13. That means 65% of Christmas is about shepherds. Now, a lot of attention is given, of course, to Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And as it should be, they get, you know, historically the spotlight here. But just going on percentages, Christmas is all about shepherds. Now, the thing about shepherds, in the Old Testament, there was this real romantic view of who shepherds were. King David, of course, started out as a shepherd. Um, all through the prophetic scriptures, uh, God is referred to as the shepherd of his people, Israel. So there's this idea that, that shepherding is this really romantic notion. Um, you're out with the sheep and caring and, and it's pastoral and all these beautiful things. Um, well, let me put it this way. Have you ever been to a county fair? And as you're getting on the Ferris wheel, you're looking up and saying, I think this Ferris wheel has seen better days. And even the operator who's running the Ferris wheel, he's probably seen better days judging by how that works out. You know, and, and, and as you're getting on these, these rides, you're thinking, man, this isn't what it probably used to be. That's shepherds. Um, it is hard to imagine a worse um, marketing plan for the coming of Jesus than to go to shepherds first. They lived outside. They were a transient group. They probably weren't actually the sheep owners. They would have been hired hands, brought in to care for these sheep. Uh, because they lived outside and outside of the cities, they were unable to fulfill the religious um, laws and rituals that would have made them uh, ceremonially clean. So they would have been able uh, to enter into the temple and worship. So here's these guys. They're out with their sheep, unable even to enter into worship of God. And the very first ones to receive the word to go and worship this newborn king are people that wouldn't have even been allowed into the temple. I have this hunch 
that most of God's work throughout history is about proclaiming unexpected good news to outsiders. That God is, is constantly doing this. You can't find a place throughout the story of God, throughout scripture and beyond, where God is not at work finding people who are on the outside, who don't make the cut, who, are, who are, fall outside of what's acceptable. And he comes unexpectedly, in unexpected ways, to bring good news of great joy. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, Dr. A.J. Swoboda here, and he showed a picture of what the wise men probably would have, have looked like, and he, he showed us a picture of, of um, um, a, a wandering nomadic Bedouin. And uh, I looked into it in studying uh, shepherds in the first century, and we were actually able to find a photo of what a first century shepherd most likely looked like in the Middle East. And so can we show that picture of, of the shepherd? Actually, that's Pastor Ben uh, in a video that we shot a few years ago. We dressed him up like a shepherd. I just want to show this as much as possible because I think it's funny. Do we have another picture of him with an actual sheep? Isn't that adorable? That's Pastor Ben. Anytime we can get him into costume, uh, we're going to do it. We're going to take that chance. Um, most Jewish boys in the first century would have studied in religious school to try to get out of professions like this one. They would have studied hard uh, in order to become something more prestigious than a shepherd. And for those who couldn't make the grade, those who flunked out of their studies, they would have gone back to their lot in life, which would have been jobs like this, like shepherding. And so here God comes and the angels of heaven to proclaim the best news in history to this group of rough and tumble outsiders. I think what happens to these guys um, in the end is that they go back to shepherding, they go back to what they were doing, but everything changes when heaven shows up on that night. Because these guys may not have had their profession changed, but I guarantee you that their identity and who they saw themselves as was changed when those angels showed up and said, don't be afraid because the attention of heaven, the attention of heaven, when we realize that we are nobodies who are seen by God, it may not change our situation, our profession, our lot in life, but it will change who we are. This idea of identity is big business. We know this brands spend billions of dollars every year to get you to wear their clothes to shop in their stores, to root for their teams, to vote for their candidate. Even your Costco membership is a token of identity. And if you look around your house, even right now, you can probably see tokens of identities that you have signed up for or agreed to or bought into. But make no mistake, my friends, and don't be fooled. No brand, organization, or political party deserves your undying loyalty and allegiance because we have a king, his name is Jesus, and his brand is one of weakness, humility, and vulnerability. And my goodness, that's a terrible brand. <laughs> like that is, that is not what marketers would tell you to go after. You know what, make yourself 
um, look weaker and smaller and more vulnerable. That's the ticket. That's what's going to really get people excited about what you're, what you're proposing to do. And yet the entirety of who we are as Christians, sinners on this moment when Almighty God willingly becomes weak and vulnerable and small and lies in a manger helplessly. It's the brand of heaven. I remember we, uh, we were running the youth ministry here years ago, and we would have this every year, our, our seniors who were graduating, we would allow them to, to speak to the crowd, to the group um, on one night. And I remember this, I think, Lindsay, you might have been there, um, where we had one of our graduating seniors, and a sweet guy, good guy, and he gets up there and he's talking about the, the things that God had done in his life throughout high school and all this, and, and he starts talking about God and he says, you guys, God is so small. God could fit in my pocket. God is microscopic. And he goes on and on about the smallness and the patheticness of God. And I was thinking, man, I think this might be confusing theologically for some of our students today. We maybe need to clean this up. And yet he was probably on to something. That the greatest sign of, weak, uh, of weakness is not when God comes in the form of, of a human and, and is incarnated in the person of Jesus as a child in a manger. That is not the sign of weakness. That is the moment where God expresses his greatest strength. When he lowers himself to empathize face to face with a broken humanity to rescue and restore us. It's a moment of great strength. When I go home today after this service, um, there will likely be a moment when I will lower myself down off the couch and I'll sit on the floor with my kids and we will probably play some sort of blocks or trains or we'll shoot at imaginary wolves with finger guns or you know, fill in the blanks. And these are things that, you know, if my kids weren't present, I probably wouldn't do. <laughs> you show up at my house, sometimes my kids are out and I'm just, you know, finger guns and blocks, guys. No, that's, I wouldn't do it. The whole reason for sitting on the carpet, the whole reason for what I'm choosing to do is not for my own sake, it's because of them. Does that make me weak? See, I want my kids to be successful. I want them, and I, you probably do too, for your kids. You want, you want them to succeed. You want them to be smart. You want them to make good decisions. You don't want them to be poor or in lack or in need all their lives. You want all these things for your kids. But you know what? When I, I, I get down on the carpet and we play together, I'm not doing it so that they'll become wealthy or successful or invincible. You know why I'm down there? It's because I want, for the rest of their lives, no matter what they become, whether they're operating a Ferris wheel at the county fair or they're astronauts or neurosurgeons, I don't care. I'm down on the floor with those kids so that they will know for the rest of their lives when they look in the mirror that they are a person who is deeply loved and seen by their father. God sends Jesus into a humble stable, lowers himself down, not to make us invincible or 
help us to avoid all trouble or always successful or to change our profession or our lot in life. He comes down as a child so that we will know for all time that we are loved and we are seen by our Father. And so many, so many people, man, they put all their hopes in Jesus. They put all their hopes in Jesus that he was going to be the one to get them out of all the trouble from Rome, right? Here, here comes Jesus and he's, he's preaching and he's healing and they're thinking, this is our guy. The Messiah is going to solve these issues. And then he heads to Jerusalem and he allows himself to be betrayed and arrested and put on trial and crucified. And imagine the disappointment in all those who had put the hopes of their whole nation and their lives onto this man, Jesus, as they saw him die on that cross thinking we were wrong. And yet God was making it clear as Jesus died that the whole purpose for coming wasn't just to make everything a-okay. It was to let us know that from now until our final breath, God is with us. He's with us in the ugliness of this world. He is with us in the ugliness of a broken place where sometimes we think, what is going on? Where is God in all this mess? He's right here. He's with us. He's next to us. He is experiencing with us those things that we feel and that we mourn over and that we grieve over. He is God with us. And when we capture this idea that God wants to not change our lot in life, but change our identity, who we see ourselves as. It allows us to take the pressure off. You know, isn't it nice when you don't have to perform? Maybe, maybe at the end of the day, if, if you had a stressful day at work or, or, you know, maybe a stressful holiday with family, you get home and you can just be yourself with, you know, your golden retriever or whatever. I know they're a hard crowd, but... You can just be yourself. You can just let it go. You can just, just let all the pressure kind of roll off and, and be in that safe place. Listen, when we accept our identity in Christ, it's a relief. Peace on earth starts with peace in my life when I realize I don't have to be somebody I'm not, that I can be a nobody who is seen and loved and recognized by heaven. And that's enough. What a relief to be a bunch of nobodies who are seen and known by God. Um, we've been working through this, this book uh, from Scott Erickson called Honest Advent. And I wanted to read a, a short passage from that. He says, it's, it very well may be through the ignored and marginalized aspects of your life, the embarrassing, unsuccessful parts, that if you take the time to listen, you'll begin to hear the angelic proclamation. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Because today, a Savior has been born to you. I want to um, kind of close our service today with just, um, just an encouragement and an invitation. The encouragement is this. That we allow the peace of Emmanuel, God with us, to invade our families and our lives, our minds, our social media accounts today. Not someday, not theoretically, not out there, 
Hopefully someday peace will come. No, but the right today, now, uh, we allow the peace of the Prince of Peace to settle in on us. I know I, I've had enough conversations right now to know tensions are high, even amongst families, as we head into this week of Christmas. And so I just believe that God has a gift of peace for us. That in conversations, his presence would make us maybe kinder and gentler, maybe a little less opinionated, more okay with just being present together. So that's my encouragement, that the peace of God would, would reign and rule in our lives and our families this week. And then the invitation, uh, that we might re-up our membership in the identity as nobodies who are seen by God. That whatever identities we've put on our shoulders that, that make us feel maybe important, we would take those off and say, I'm going to tie my identity this week not to my titles, not to my accomplishments, not to my opinions, but to a child in a manger who, with incredible humility, became God with us. And so, Jesus, we allow that identity, that simplicity, that vulnerability uh, that was shown so clearly through the coming of Jesus, we allow that to become our identity today. We pray for the kindness of heaven to invade our lives and our families today. We would ask that in the place of fear and argument, God, that you would give us the words of the angel over and over again. Do not be afraid. God is with us. Lord, we receive your work today. We receive um, just a, a sense of your close presence, even, even as, as Mary and Joseph and the shepherds were so close to that child on that night, we receive the closeness of Jesus that it would change us and adjust our identities and how we see ourselves. That today we are seen by you and we are loved by you. And that's enough. Father, we worship you and we thank you for your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, today we want to say um, that God is good. He is faithful. His promises are true. And he's coming to us today and said, don't be afraid. We hope you have a Merry Christmas. Uh, we do hope you'll join us on Christmas Eve and, and join in our service together as we celebrate the coming of Jesus. Uh, otherwise, have a wonderful week. Take care of each other. Watch out for your family. And uh, we'll see you next week.